0: What is up guys and welcome to another episode of Guarani Vision, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. As always, I'm Roberto Rojas and joining me are my three great co hosts, Federico Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna. And guys, it's February, it's a new month. Hard to believe we're already into the second month of the year. It almost feels like 2023 hasn't even started yet. But everything has been going on in the world of Paraguayan football. Obviously, the Apertura started last weekend and we'll be talking about what's been going on there, some kind of surprises, some kind of Uh, players to watch out for. We'll be also going into what's been going on with the U-20 side as they are still in contention to qualify for the the U-20 World Cup. They are currently playing the South American U Championship in Colombia to try to qualify to their first ever U-20 World Cup in 10 years. And also we'll be talking about what's been going on with the women's team as the call-ups for the World Cup qualifying playoffs begin in about a couple weeks and we have a list of players so we will see If Paraguay can qualify for the first ever Women's World Cup, which, of course, will start uh, in later June and July. But let's go straight into the mother country, as I always like to say to Fede Perez, that is actually happy that it's cloudy, that it's, you know, uh, I know it's like super hot, as we always like to say there. But you have been happy that you've been seeing some clouds there. So hopefully it's not too cloudy and kind of ruined your mood of maybe some teams that we'll be talking about uh, in regards to results from this weekend.
1: I think even the players, Roberto, would be happy to uh, leave the, the the sunblock over there and not put it on today. Try to run, try for the for the training. It's it's a bit different. It's a bit more comfortable, obviously, for the games. Also, we got the second week of of, of games coming up uh, right now. So so yeah, the opportunity already started. We we got to look back at the first games. A couple of things stood out to me. Players, new players, obviously several injured players uh, also in this first weekend. That was kind of stunning to me. Uh, several important key players in different teams got injured already. We'll be out for a couple of weeks. We definitely got to talk about the, the under 20, what they're doing. We got a big sell there. We got to talk about uh, somebody going to Europe. And, and obviously the women's, uh, tr- the women's football trying to make it to the World Cup. They're on their way to New Zealand. And obviously, we're going to make that trip with them. We want, we want to see them make their dreams come true. And we definitely got to talk about that list because now it's official. We got the list. We know who, who is going to represent our country. We know who's going to try to make it to the next World Cup.
0: Absolutely. One of the names that won't be on this list, however, but is obviously good news, and um, Fede mentioned it, I want to go to Maria on this one, is obviously the transfer of Soledad Bellotto, a 19-year-old goalkeeper who becomes the first ever Paraguayan to play for Juventus, Juventus women. Obviously, a, a top side in, in women's football, not just in Italy, but also overall, I think they played in the, in the UEFA Women's Champions League. So, you know, obviously, this is a player that maybe we haven't had too much in our radar, but certainly now getting the chance to play at a big club in a, in a different country in Europe, it's a, uh, it's a big thing. It's a big thing for, for Paraguayan women's
1: football, um, and the development of it.
2: Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, Roberto, this is a great news for us, uh, Paraguayan girls, you know, um, hi guys. Uh, nice to talk to you guys again um but yeah I think that it's uh fantastic that we have someone like her going over there you know we haven't uh seen a lot of her I think and 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 it would be nice to see what she can uh do for for Juventus you know as a goalkeeper that's a pretty tough position to play for outside you know in 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 Europe especially um you know I don't I don't know if um we have a lot of girls as goalkeepers uh, playing outside uh, you know so that's great I'm happy for her Um, and I and I hope that you know she she didn't get uh, called up for the for the for the qualifiers for the World Cup but you know I hope that maybe this helps her concentrating for Juventus and you know cheer on the sidelines for for Paraguay Um, I'm happy for Paraguay to be going to New, New Zealand right now I think that uh, they're gonna do great. Uh, I hope they, they that they can qualify for the World Cup. So at least one side of the of the league will be going to the World Cup. Um, and uh, you know, I've seen some some news here and there that that the girls haven't been playing and, and haven't been training in in very good conditions. So that's very disappointing um, from from the from the uh, from the Alpha because i mean so from the Paraguayan association because you know they they haven't been paying attention to the girls um as much as they should but you know it, it is what you got to tough it out and 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 show and prove that what they're capable of um i hope that that they have a good run over there in new zealand and they can qualify
0: absolutely it would be history obviously it would change and open doors for Paraguayan women and, and really in this whole sport of that has been developing and obviously let's go to Ralph here to close it out before because before we mention obviously the the women's team and their call ups for their their chance to qualify for. The women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, we do have to mention one Paraguayan who we always talked about on the show who will have a chance at silverware. To win in England, and that is obviously Miguel Mirón, who will be playing at Wembley Stadium against none other than Manchester United uh, in the EFL Cup, basically the the uh, the third, basically the third competition um, it, for domestic um, English football with the Premier League, the FA Cup, and the EFL Cup. So it's a it's a big thing. Obviously, Newcastle haven't won a title in about I think like it's been sixty years or something like that. They also haven't. Uh, been to a final in over 20 years so for someone like Miguel Miron to get the chance to play on this Newcastle side and get the chance at silverware um, I think if he's able to do that at the end of the month when they do play against Manchester United I mean that would be a a huge deal for for him for Paraguayan football and and I think he will obviously be a a big idol at Newcastle United
3: yeah yeah and who would have thought this a year ago when we're sitting here this time last year paraguay were heading pretty much out of the world cup miggy wasn't performing he was i think he was behind Ryan fraser in the newcastle team he wasn't really getting many games and look now i mean not only is is newcastle going to the league cup I know it's really almirón that's been a huge part of that team he gave an assist of course in that semi-final second leg and and he's been a he's been a really important player he becomes the first paraguayan to ever go to a league cup final we've had paraguayans in the fa cup final of course and tolin alcaraz but roque roque never got to the league cup final because when he was a he was a man city uh the year they got knocked out by manchester united but in the semi-finals you know it was a very good game they'd won the first leg like, 2-1 and then they lost the second one three ones and so they just missed out so migi becomes a first paraguayan and this is what we talked about um when we did the interview, um, talking about you know focusing on Miguel Almirón, we're saying he's always won trophies. He's, he comes from a winning background. This this time he's had at Newcastle so is actually the only time in his career that he hasn't been winning titles. So it's good to see him in a final again and and doing what he does best because he he's a he's a winner. He's a champion. And then of course what we all want is for this to transfer to the national team when we get going again because that's what we're looking forward to.
0: Well, it's a good record that you could say. I, I think, if I'm correct and come I think he's never lost the final. He's won it at Atlanta United, obviously. He's won titles at Cerro Borteño, even at Lanús. So, yeah, for him to, to get that kind of winning mentality that maybe not a lot of players on this Newcastle side actually have, I think would be big motivation for, for him and certainly a key piece. But we'll obviously get to that when the game is happening at the end of the month. Let's switch gears to what's been going on in Paraguay, as we saw the announcement made by Marcelo Friguedo, uh, just a couple of days ago, the call-ups for the playoffs for the Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, like we had mentioned beforehand, the team is already in New Zealand. They'll be playing their first game against Chinese Taipei on the 19th. Uh, obviously a, a, a game that is of huge precedence because obviously if they win that game and they play the, the they beat the winner of Papua New Guinea and or Panama then they will qualify for the Women's World Cup. So it's, uh, it's a big task for this team. Obviously, never before have Paraguay ever gotten this close to qualifying for a Women's World Cup. Now they will have their chance. And looking at the squads, and we're going to go to Ralph on this one, because obviously he had the fortune of speaking to Marcelo Friguedo right when this uh, call-up was announced. Looking at the names, I think some of the big names that we've been used to seeing it, like Jessica Martinez, uh, You know, looking at players like Fanny Gauto, uh, Diana Bolgarin, Lisa Chamorro, Tuse Quintana, many players, Alicia Boladilla, many players playing abroad, only three of them, only playing in Paraguay Gloria Saleb of Olimpia, Natalia Barros of Cerro Porteño, and Fatima Acosta of Libertad Limpeño. So, You know, it shows, Ralph, that uh, Marcelo Fregedo is really going all guns blazing on this one, really picking out the strongest squad possible, the players that have had the most experience outside of the country where, you know, the competition is very much more bigger and more competitive than playing in in Paraguay. So is this the best squad that Paraguay can have for for these type of matches? I mean, you know, some of the names that perhaps have kind of missed out as well. uh, Is this really you know, for me, at least, like, looking at it, I think it is the best squad that Paraguay could put out uh, for these type of matches.
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of two things. is is the best squad in terms of that you have lots of players playing at a higher level, like you mentioned, but also it's the best squad in that it's a big group of these players he's managed to keep together. So, he, so Paraguay's been able to do a lot of training sessions, weekly training sessions, uh, using Carfem, the new the new installations, which are which are the very good ones. So I know um, Maria was talking about Emiliano, that I had a really bad situation with their women's team. So at local level, but at international level, at the selection level, it's, it's very high standards of, of the the kind of um, training base and, and the camps that they've been doing. And then the other thing about the team, and this is what uh, what Marcelo was talking to me about, or one of the things we're talking about is, he he has a lot of versatile players in there. So you mentioned Dulce Quintana, she can play in two positions, she can play across the defense. He was talking about, to me, uh, Camila Arrieta, because she can play basically anywhere down the flank. She could be a left back, left wing back, left winger. And so there's lots of players here that are very adaptable because what he's looking at is, there's gonna be two very different games. You have the first game against Chinese Taipei, who are kind of a team that he said, that keep, I don't know them. I'm not I'm not an expert on this, but he was saying they, they keep possession a lot. They're, they're very technical. Paraguay is going to have to look to try and break them down or, or win things from set pieces there. But then we'll get a Panama or possibly Papua New Guinea, assuming we win that game, that will be very different. So he might have to play instead of, let's say, 4-5-1. We might have to go to a 4-3-3. A three, three. And so he needs basically versatile players that can do that. So that was one of the... The key thing takeaways from from this squad. And then the other thing I mean, it was raised in the press conference. But what about some of the Paraguayan girls that are doing so well in Paraguay? So a particular name was Lisa Larea because she's got like 36 goals in Paraguay. So so why isn't she considered? And he said, because she has to work. So that's the reality. You have to remember that these girls are not all pro. They have other jobs and the ones that were working couldn't go to these camps that were every week. And so they they started to fall out of consideration because what he needed was that group, that kind of core group that has been together. Of course, some players are arriving very late because they're playing at the moment, especially the European based players. They're going to arrive really late and then they have to go all the way to New Zealand. So that's another challenge that Paraguay has because it's you know, you're going to have jet lag and all of these kind of things which is very different to, to uh, playing against Chinese Taipei, who, who don't have such a big journey and, and want to have such a, a change in, in time. So there's a, there's a challenge there. But uh, I mean, I think, yeah, as we were saying, I think this is the best kind of team you can get, squad you can get pulling in those different factors, not just technical ability, but also the fact they've been able to train together and they're very versatile and able to fill positions across two games.
1: Yeah, hopefully that that ends up uh, on seeing a good team, right? On them coming together on these two games, it's do or or go home, right? It's going to be that kind of situation for the girls. I I do think it's going to be very mental. It's going to be totally uh, on the way that they play, but especially just how they adjust to the game, how the coach also – makes the right calls on the game plan and changing it up even when when we need it, right? I think that's where, when this training camp of several weeks that they had uh, might come in handy, uh, you know, the different uh, kind of uh, uh, playing styles that you can have and and that you're going to need going up against some of the best teams in the world and hopefully staying in in New Zealand and coming back half, half of the year to play the World Cup so, so hopefully that gives uh, the girls more time. I mean, to be honest, you look at the list, Roberto, and you look at their ages, and we have a lot of young players. We have players that are just 21. Our star, even Jessica Piraju Martinez, she's only 23. Uh, most of these girls still have a, a, a long career uh, ahead of them. So, uh, you know, the way I see it, it's it's a big shot for them. It's a huge opportunity for them to try to make it to the World Cup, but I don't believe it's going to be the only one. Uh, I think this team is just going to keep on building. It's going to get stronger and stronger, especially with this jump that we made uh, of bringing in a coach from, from another place. We brought a Brazilian coach. He has more experience. I hope this is where we see that experience in world cup level. And, and yeah, to Maria's point, you, you definitely got to, you definitely have to separate the situation of the local league, of the of the local players, uh, the way that the clubs are, are, are doing things here, the way that they're working, the 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 long project that's that they're trying to do, that they're trying to build here of going from two to four, and now going try to try to have six players on the squad that have a professional contract. We're trying to do that, that adjustments here, but yeah, we're still kind of far away from that. And, and that's why we're, we don't see that many local players on this list. but you do see that Paraguay is selling good players. If you look at the best players of last year, they're all they all left. They're all playing in Brazil, they're, some even went to Europe and, and that that talks really well about our league. that talks really well about our players. Uh, and And if you look at the other South American teams, I would even say that we, you know we're stepping we're, we're taking step by step but we're getting, better ahead of even other countries. And I'm really happy about that situation. I I even heard that there was a big announcement from Comebol trying to uh, bring in, right, CONCACAF teams and and play against Comebol teams. Uh, Apparently that's going to happen next year, uh, a new competition. So that's always good that the experience, more and more uh, big games for the girls. I'm, I'm really happy about that situation. But I wanted it to stand out more than anything that we have New players on this squad, and we have young players. I don't think this is gonna be the only shot for them, but for some, it could be. Uh, Rob said, Dulce Quintana, she's 33 already. So some, so for some of these players, it could be their only chance to make it to the World Cup and to try to bring the the country together. Also, it's, it's, these girls is not just about fulfilling their dreams; it's also about fulfilling all the girls' dreams here in Paraguay and to put their names out there. And, and, and it could be really huge for the women's game, uh, obviously, in our country.
0: Yeah, Maria, I wanted to go to you on this one because I think, you know, we had mentioned this sometime as well. And, you know, now that we're getting close to it, it it is a reality. It could be a reality. And and I think one would think that, you know, for really someone in an agenda that gets really discriminated in Paraguay, we know that the discrimination that of women is in Paraguay. We know that sometimes... It is a bit much, but, you know, for them to hopefully achieve this and, and to go to their first ever World Cup, I mean, it would change everything. I mean, you know, people talk about, you know, wanting to go to World Cups, Copa Americas, win stuff like that. But we also have to forget that there is another side to this as well. I think them qualifying. Yeah, it's a big achievement for the sport. And I'm certain the the directors, Edict Diehl, they're going to be celebrating that. But I think it's it's also a big deal for just women in general in Paraguay that they can see that their opportunity is there and they could see them as, like, inspirations, as trailblazers. And so, yeah, I just want your thoughts on how that really could stem on them. Maybe a bit more pressure is given to them. Maybe they understand the obligation. I don't know. It just It feels like, for me, this is something that, for them, they could become, I don't want to say legends, obviously, but, you know, just – Someone that could really be the the people that could help the sport rise and and hopefully give other girls and and you know people that look at it a more opportunity for them to to achieve what they want to achieve.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, Roberto. Because you know, like you said, um, a, a woman in 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 Paraguay. You know, in Paraguay, it's uh, it's still. Um, like a third division country but but um you know women are looked at down upon a lot in in a lot of aspects and and i think that the fact that they are putting themselves out there and 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 putting our our, our name you know Paraguay our country out into the world showing what women of Paraguay can do i i think that speaks great of them and and you know um, besides the fact that that the women are are looked down upon a lot and and they suffer a lot of discrimination, there's also a, a big sentiment of women in Paraguay that that we are um, that the women in Paraguay are strong and they have been looked up as as you know the the head of the household sometimes you know because of, of you know historical uh, events you know war in, in back in the 1800s so. Um, there is that sentiment of women in, in in Paraguay and and i think that 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 helps a lot for for them for the for the girls because there's going to be that that um support um from from the fans and uh, lately nowadays you know um you see more support from people uh watching you know women's soccer and 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 really um seeing uh, uh, how the game is for the girls, you know, put, uh, for example, here, we're going to have um, the, the World Cup in big screens, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to have it on, on, on secondary platforms, you know, we're going to have it on big uh, networks. So that, that's, that's already a good sign that the the moving up um, the, the women's sports is is moving up, but for Paraguay, there is still some work to do, like I mentioned earlier. Um, I saw that there was a lot of um, a lot of news that the girls were training in bad conditions. You know, um, uh, fields that were not properly uh, cut. The grass is not cut. Training in you know super hot conditions. Uh, you know how it is. The weather impaired, Why? So for them to still be you know good team. Um, and have the 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 will to go all the way to New Zealand. That speaks a lot to me. I think that that's courageous, and and I just hope that they can still continue to prove, you know, people wrong that that they are uh, here to stay, and and that they they could uh, hopefully um, qualify to the World Cup.
3: Yeah, one one thing Marcelo said to me was that similar to, to what maria has just said the paraguay is very still a very traditional country and and there is still uh discrimination and, but what he sees is the world cup qualification is going to break down a lot of that resistance and a lot of those barriers because this it really is like an a before and after moment for the country and this is a guy with experience doing that right he was the manager of equatorial guinea who had never qualified for a world cup before and he took that team to the 2011 World well, Cup, he said, it's totally different. This Paraguay team is much better than the side he he inherited there in, in Africa. He said that there were lots of kind of disciplinary issues and and just very basic cultural kind of things he needed to get them more organized as a team. Whereas here in Paraguay, the girls already have a lot of that, and some of that natural leadership from the older older players. And, and so there is a good base to work with. But right, there's there's a lot to do. But really, so much depends on the World Cup. I mean, I also spoke to him about lots of projects for scouting, for central contracts. Instead of having contracts with the clubs, why not have them directly with the, the APF? And all of that stuff is contingent on going to the World Cup. If they don't go to the World Cup, probably a lot of that stuff isn't going to happen. Which, of course, it shouldn't be that way, right? We should want to do this. Anyway, but you can see so much is hinging on these two games. It's it's a massive moment for, for the team.
1: Yeah, obviously, FIFA is trying to promote women's football all around the world. They're doing a great job with it. But, you know, they're still not moving the money that the men's football is moving, Roberto. That's the reality right now. You look at the biggest fee. I was looking at it the other day. The biggest fee all around the world, the, the, the women's player that was sold. And you see what Enzo Fernandez was sold now to Chelsea. And you know the numbers are just crazy. Still, uh, there's no way to compare it. Still, and money moves football. Uh, unfortunately, it's still, it is that way right now. Football is a big business, and uh, until you know the directors don't see those big fee numbers coming in, uh, I don't think they're gonna invest that much unless FIFA makes them. Like it's been these last couple of years, FIFA pretty much obligating everybody, not just in South America and pretty much all the world, to promote women's football. Thanks to that. We have the team that we have today. We have the facilities that we have here in Paraguay nowadays. But yeah, it's just step by step, Roberto. And the girls got to make themselves noticed. And the only way they're going to do it is in the World Cup stage.
0: Absolutely. And again, like it's it's unfair to really compare something that's been going on for centuries, whereas women's football has been going on for just a few decades. It's it's, it's unfair. And, you know, like Ralph said, it shouldn't be this way where development for women's sports in general, not just in football, in sports, isn't being able to be at least to the standard of what men's is as well. I mean, that's a whole different conversation in itself. But yeah, like I said, I think a lot is really dependent on this side. And again, we'll be talking about. The games against Chinese Taipei. And hopefully, if they do make it to the game against either Papua New Guinea or Panama, that they can indeed qualify for their first ever Women's World Cup. And like you said as well, Ralph, it, it would be a a groundbreaking event and, and something that will change how the sport is viewed forever in the country. So we'll definitely see what's going on there as we switch gears now to a tournament that has been starting. Obviously, the the Alpertura has begun the 2023 season um for the Paraguayan clubs as we saw uh really a a a bunch of games happening over the first weekend we did see a a few dramatic results uh one result that I do want to mention was the first game that we saw the Libertad Guarani game at the uh, Tiego La Huerta the stadium of Libertad Libertad getting it really late uh thanks to a penalty from a goal from Tito Alva to score the game winner to give all three points to them Some of the results that we saw as well was Sportivo Trinidense beating Tacuaru, one of the teams that we had. I think me and Maria have mentioned uh, one of the surprise packages. They're getting the result there, getting their first-ever win back in the first division after quite some time. Nacional defeating Guadagnia 3-1. General Caballero, Juan León, Marioquin beating Resistencia 2-0. Looking at the other two big teams, Cerro Porteño tying Sportivo Ameliano. After actually coming back uh, to draw from a Claudio Aquino goal, they were actually down. 1-0, uh, uh, 2 Sportivo Almiliano at the uh, La Noa Oya, And Olympia getting it also late, 2-1 win over Sportivo Luqueño, uh, the, 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 obviously the defending champions, uh, getting the result there. So, Fede, I wanted to go to you on this one. At least from what we saw from this first weekend, it's kind of been, I would say, I wouldn't say shocking, but definitely very cautious. Libertad getting a result very late, Serro Porteño having to get a result um laid on as well from a Claudio Aquino go Olympia getting the result against Portivo Luqueño, but it also they had to sweat it out so I guess the earlier impressions is is that these teams are really sweating it out like they're being a bit cautious like again yeah obviously I think it's those those first game jitters always teams get a bit nervous but at least from what we've saw at least I want to go to Cedro on this one I think it's kind of similar to what we've been talking about that the side hasn't really been convincing and and to get a result like that at home against a side that you should be like Arminiano who again won the the uh, the Supercopa uh, the other week uh, the other day as well so it, congratulations to them beating Olympia but for them to to do that especially when you have a better team on paper it's, it's not really convincing if you want it to be a side that's not just going to compete in the in the local league but also in the Libertadores which begins in a few weeks as well.
1: Yeah, we, we definitely got to talk about Ameliano, right? This team has has surprised everybody, beating Olympia uh, in the Super Cup and and now stopping Cerro Porteño in front of their fans in their first home game. And Ameliano doing it with, with great style. Uh, you know, the sense that I'm getting uh, after watching pretty much all the games of this first week is that, you know, the, the small teams have gotten stronger. And they're not going to make it easy for the big teams. They're not going to make it easy for the favorites. And yeah, if, if I look at the standings, if I look at the teams that that won in this first week, uh, yeah, pretty much all the favorites won. Uh, I think Cerro Porteño was probably the only one that couldn't do it. But even Nacional kind of shocked everybody. Uh, Ralph, who talked about that team uh, on the first episode, uh, and and he said, yeah, this team is going to change it all up, and they actually found solutions, and they were the first team to make to go out there and play Libertadores in, in a couple of days already. Uh, so they so some of these teams have urgency. Some of these teams got to build up fast. Uh, other teams are going to have to work really hard. Like they really showed really very little in this first week, in this first game. But yeah, for Cerro Porteño, uh, I, I think I said it uh, uh, last week around, uh, I, I'm really not liking what I'm seeing from this team. Uh, I don't see a team that that's coming together. I don't see players that are, are on their level and and, and players that are not taking their opportunities. I mean, Brian Samudio, they gave him the starting role. He did not show up in those 45 first minutes. They needed Claudia Keener to come in the game and, and totally change it up. And the strikers are yet to score. Seattle has probably the one, the best strikers in the in the league, but they cannot score. They, they couldn't score against Oriente Petrolero in the friendly match before the, the tournament started. They couldn't score against Emiliano, and they all came in. We even saw Diego Churin uh, get minutes already. So, Cerro is not finding the the, the formula, and they have not gotten the replacement yet for Alexis Duarte. That's actually been the big problem also in defense. So, they're having all these problems in defense. They're having problems in midfield, on the creative side, and their strikers are not scoring. So, I'm not seeing much yet of this team. And Ameliano, they they were flying high after beating Olympia, and they really took that level to to Cerro Porteño's ground, and they really played them out. Uh, I even thought they deserved maybe even to win it, you know, it was a, on those last minutes, it was, it was up for grabs. It was up for any of those two. And Amelianos just looks ready, not just for the Paraguayan league, but they also have Sue this year and this team, you got, you got to take them serious. I mean, they won two trophies in the last months and you know, people are are, are looking differently at this Ameliano Rob. They, they
3: really made a, a name for themselves in the first division now. Yeah. They, they, they're carrying on that form from the end of last season because you never know because of the changes in players and and it's quite a long break. Like, will they be able to keep that good run of form up? But but they have because they've done the Super Cup victory and now they've got this good draw. They're still unbeaten. I mean, worth mentioning, Cerro are still unbeaten. They're on a very good unbeaten run. They they've only lost to to Olympia basically in the last twenty five matches or something. The two clasicos. But they they still, even though they, they're not losing, they don't really convince that they're going to go out there and, and blow teams away. Uh, Libertad was similar. I mean, Libertad really dominated, I thought, the, the game against Guarani. So, in a way, it's a fair result that they won. It's just the manner of the victory coming with a 97th minute penalty is is always a bit jarring for the opposition. But but uh, over the course of the game, they were dominating. And, and you look at that team and you think they... Unlike Cerro, they're they're a team that's been together a long time because they, they don't have a lot of new additions. So they'll they'll click into gear, I'm sure. But the, the worry about Cerro is yeah, with these with some departures and then these new players coming in, like how's the chemistry, how's this gonna work? Also worth noting with Cerro that both Pachi Carrizo and, and Carascal were not even in the squad, which one says how big the squad is, but also that there's maybe so again some issues there, you know, not everybody is uh, is maybe on the right wavelength uh, in this new season. So so you do see from the big team, Cerro, the one that, that are seemingly struggling. And then with Olympia, you're seeing, again, similar things from last year. They're carrying on that form with Delis Gonzalez. He had a great game against uh, Luqueño and, and really is probably the top player in terms of level in, in Paraguayan football at the moment. So that, so they have, again, a good chance with that with those strong individuals um but yeah no at this point is early days right so nobody's blown us away and then there's still plenty of time for for a lot to happen
2: yeah i think that um obviously it's still the first it's first games um, of the season of the of Abertura. but um i i would love to see more of the of the you know the not favorites um talking about like Trinidense, uh, you know, Waidenas, all the teams. Um to see them, you know, give all these big teams uh, more uh you know competition, um give, you know, uh, an excitement to the to the to the season because I feel like we are always seeing the big ones up there um you know uh from start to beginning. Sorry, from start to end. Um so I would love to see more of that. I hope that that helps. I hope that that um, that these teams, you know, make it fun for everyone to watch and obviously uh, add some dra- drama into the season.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that that kind of you know surprise and parody would be great for them. And you know, like I said, I think you know obviously we don't want to like put in a huge prediction and say, oh, this season's gonna go that way, and saying that like the big teams are gonna fall out and the small teams are gonna go and surprise everyone. No. I don't think that's, that's plausible. I mean, it's football, anything can happen. But I think, like I said, I think, you know, it's it's not a case of teams just blowing people away. I think it's still, like I said, early days. Obviously, when the competitions begin for like, about New and Sulawinikana, that's where we'll kind of see some of the teams that probably are better with depth really demonstrate how good they are. Maybe they have more experience. They know what it's like to play those type of games. You know, they'll be fine on that end. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, again, it's, it's nothing really convincing for the time being and we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens you know this weekend but I think going to Feather's point I think yeah I think for Sero Porteño, I think they have to be like more concerned than anyone else out of all the teams I think because of the fact that they haven't really replaced their captain yet at the center back position with Alexis Duarte none of their strikers like like you said haven't been scoring you know goals coming from other players you know, they really need to step it up. And, you know, I think if they don't, then I think we can start to see a a team that perhaps isn't going to be convincing enough to win the league. I mean, it's it's sad to say that considering how good Setter have always been consistently uh, during these years. But, you know, when your players are not scoring, Fede, and, and, and obviously you're not making any big signings, I, do we really have to feel convinced by them by any chance? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just... Again, I'm, this is I'm saying this in in literally week two of the of the season. But you know, it's those games. How early on, you know, you have to demonstrate how good you are. You have to pick up points. You have to demonstrate your 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 talent. And if you're not doing that early on, all the other teams are just going to catch up on you, and you're not going to be able to to catch up on them.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much time they're going to give this Cerro Porteño especially their coach, you know. People are not feeling it that much with Chiquiarce as of right now. You kind of feel that mood in the in the, the stadium. Uh, it's, it's going to be good for them that they're going to Encarnación. I believe this weekend. they're going to have a trip, you know, they're going to be kind of far away from the city kind of to get together again you, you, you talk I think it was Rob that said the, that mentioned a couple of locker room uh, issues also that have been going around there's rumors ever since last season so if you don't start resolving those situations and if the team does the team doesn't start building something on the pitch and then you have that libertador coming up next month um, you know when you get to that to that stage I want to see where this team really is. And if now it could be the first team to be back against the wall, they're back against the wall. you know. I think it could be that kind of situation for Cerro Porteño if they don't get their stuff ready. Uh, very, very, very early in the in the, in the season. I, I wanted to stand out one player that actually caught my attention. I, I made a whole list, actually, of, of young players, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll be throwing it out there as, as the season goes on. But I, I wanted to stand out Trinidense, Lucas Rodgers, just the way he started the season. He, he's one of those players that I think even if, if he starts scoring and scoring, I think he's one of those players that a lot of people are going to want to go watch Trinidadense's uh, games just because of Lucas Barrio's level and what kind of player that he can be. You know, the same thing happens with Roger Santa Cruz when he was in Olimpia. I think he can turn to be in that kind of player, especially uh, after the level that I saw in, in this first game with Trinidadense, a team that, that pretty much kept their base of players from last season, from the intermediate, from the second division. Has, they, they have the, the youngest coach also, Jose Arrua, so, you know, this team kind of could surprise a couple of teams, and especially with Lucas Mario on their side. And this is a this is a striker. This is a guy that knows what to do in front of the goal, and he started scoring. Yes, it was a penalty, but he showed a, a really good level. And this is a guy that hasn't played in, what, over six months? He, he was already retired, He came back from retirement to play for Gini Ense. and he's probably one of the attractions that this opportunity is also going to have.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think the name obviously stands out. I mean, obviously someone who's demonstrated his his time in Europe and other clubs and then on the national team. So certainly there is that attraction, but yeah, it's, it's certainly something that in a way can also inspire some of the young guys, like seeing someone who's done it at the top level for so many years, you see some of the youngsters, maybe some players on Trinidense who probably have never had the chance of playing in the first division, or maybe are, are just a bit young. They start to see someone example of them, It's like, okay, if they can do that, uh, if he, if, I, if he can do that, at whatever age he's with like 38, 39, then why can't I? So yeah, it's definitely served as a good inspiration. It's a good story as well. So hopefully that it does become something like that. And yeah, again, against Olympia, sorry, against Cedro this weekend as well. I mean, that's <laughs> how kind of fortunate it would be for him to, to do that uh, against Cedro Bartenho. That would probably give joy to them, but definitely not to the fans of Cedro, who've kind of always been seeing him over the years. As we switch gears now to obviously younger stars in the U20 side, as the South American u Championship, as I said, is still underway, Paraguay last time that we spoke were actually in contention to qualify for the um for the next round they did that they beat peru in the last game they played against brazil obviously qualified both sides have played reserve sides they were actually winning uh one nil at one point only for them brazil to turn it around and win 2-1 we fast forward to the final stage paraguay is in a group with brazil uruguay venezuela colombia the host and ecuador Uh, Paraguay at the time of recording uh, has already played one game. They tied Venezuela 1-1. They were actually winning as well. Uh, This has been a common theme, uh, and I'm going to go to Ralph on this one as well. It's been a common theme for Paraguay at the moment that they've been winning games, but they haven't been closing it. Wow, such a surprise as we've seen that on the the national team level uh, for the men's game. We're also seeing it as well uh, in the U-20 level. But they got the 1-1 draw against Venezuela. Today, they take on the host again, Colombia. Uh, where they got the uh, the one one draw the first time that they played before closing it out against Brazil, Uruguay, and then Ecuador for them to be one of the top four teams to qualify amongst six of them. So they're really in a position to not drop any more points and and especially against rivals that are kind of direct, you know, you would assume that they probably will not beat teams like Brazil and Uruguay just given the quality and the talent that they've had. But really it's the games against Colombia and Ecuador. Um, those are the results that you kind of have to get all three points. But I think the game against Venezuela, I think that was a missed opportunity, really. You know, that that kind of could have gave them a bit more uh comfort for them to you know not feel as obligated. So, yeah, obviously, they want to go and, and win all the games that they should, but now there's more pressure now to get a result against the host Colombia and to be able to to qualify or at least have the contention to do qualify for the World Cup.
3: Yeah, it's the the Pressure is on, and it's exactly how you called it, Roberto. That this game against Colombia and the final game against Ecuador are going to be the key ones, really, because that's who you're you're fighting with to go into the into the World Cup. Um, the, the game against Venezuela, I mean, it was the big absence was Mati Segovia from the start. He he had an injury, so he did he did come on come on in the second half, but he wasn't fully fit, and and that whole first half was a bit. Flat as both teams didn't really want to play with the ball because Paraguay have looked much better on the counter attack, but then Venezuela are not really interested in building up, playing you know playing possession based football. So that so it was I don't know it was like two boxers kind of like standing off each other in the opening rounds of a of a fight that kind of thing. And then the second half, uh, Paraguay were very brave I thought for the goal or, or uh, Gilberto Flores was very brave for that goal for hitting it in because it, it, he kind of got injured in the process and it was it was a goal from set pieces so it's what Paraguay have also trained and, and do well I guess very typical but they let the lead slip yeah they gave away the penalty and, and they let the lead slip and what we've seen and what we're going to see is there's a lot of matches they're young players and so you get tired you, you get tired I mean you have to rotate the squads you have to try and manage that very well because because it's it's just a physical thing that, that they're not None of these players will ever have played so many games in such a short space of time because the saw a lot of them played the Odesur, but that was a shorter tournament than this one. We're talking about we've got five games now in the final round and the the, the three, four games before, right? So it's so it's nine games, is It's even more than a World Cup. Uh so is it's a big is a big thing there, I think, that Paraguay when when you talk about dropping off in the second half is some of that, that physicality. And then when your best player is Mati Segovia, who's not very athletic or physical himself, that kind of points to to where some of Paraguay's Paraguay struggles are going to be. But I but I think they have the quality. I mean, they have the quality to beat Colombia. They were they were close in that opener. They definitely have the quality to be this Ecuador team. This isn't a great Ecuador side. So and maybe they hey maybe they snatch a point of Uruguay. I'm I'm not even going there with Brazil. This Brazil team is amazing. They've got some really good players and, and you would argue it's not even their best squad because they have, you know, some of the European based players up there. So is it Brazil is on another another level right now, but but let's see what they can they can do tonight. I, I think they can get a result. Remember as well that Aldo Badia, the coach he's coached in Colombia and he's and he's won a title in Colombia. So he knows he knows the place very well and he knows the style of football well. So I've uh, I've got a got a hope for us, but yeah, the the second half second half performances are very important.
1: I I hope he doesn't hold back. Uh, talking about our coach, right? But I've gotten the sense also in, in some games that he's he's always doing these um these defensive changes, these set defensive subs, and I'm not liking that too much. You know, it's time to go all out. It's time ta- it's time to make it to the World Cup. Uh, I got that in the first games. Uh, when you're trying to build a good team but you know we we don't have that many players as of right now we lost Diego Gomez I believe in that first game he, he has, hasn't been 100 percent and he was pretty much the heart of the team also in that midfield and if you don't have Mati Segovia uh, by the side creating the the, the the opportunities for the rest of the players it is kind of hard for us and, and that's what Ralph was talking about in this first game uh, against Venezuela we, we didn't really have uh, that many opportunities. So Alan Wilk, our striker, wasn't getting the ball that much close to the goal. And, and you know, he needs to get more opportunities. I, I think he's not getting as many opportunities in front of the goals as he would also like. So uh, I'm hoping that in these next games, these next games, these last matches, uh, that those kind of things uh, uh, dissolve, those kind of things change, especially from our coach. And uh, I'm I'm standing out other players as of right now. Gilberto Flores, he's, he's maintaining a, a, a tremendous level from the start of, this, uh, of the tournament up until now, also scoring. And, and Angel Gonzales, the goalkeeper, he saved us so many times in, in so many different games. So I'm I'm going to stand out those players as of right now, hoping to see more attack from this team, Roberto, hoping to see more goals from this team, and hopefully seeing this team make it to the World Cup.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that, that's the main thing here. And, you know, Maria, I just wanted to jump, you, jump in on this one. But I think, um, yeah, it's... It's really like these type of games that I think are really important. Like I said, I think, like we mentioned with the women's game, it's it really becomes a before and after. Like I'd mentioned beforehand, it's been 10 years since Paraguay have been in this opportunity to qualify for a World Cup. That was the generation that brought Miguel Miron, Diego Gomes, and Gustavo Gomez, uh, Deris Gonzalez, you know, those type of players. Could we see that with these guys? I don't know. That's what um we'll have to figure out but i think you know seeing some of the players that we've actually got uh, actually the news actually we got a few days ago of a transfer of, of a paraguayan on the u20 side going to to um to europe really you know someone like you know it's it's important like um deal you know he's going to lazio you know it's, that's a big team in, in italy playing in Serie. A. i mean that's it shows that there are players out there and you know meet myself as well you know speaking to those that are kind of involved in the scouting and kind of in the transfers i mean i could tell you off the top of my head that there are a lot of clubs out there from the top five leagues from england you know portugal france spain uh Germany you know many other countries in Europe who are looking for these talents and and there are some Paraguayans that are on their radar they are on their um checklist so no it shows that these type of games and these performances they need to they that that could be life-changing for these guys where they could be playing you know against you know I don't want to disrespect the team like Sporting the or something like that but they can go from there to playing in in the champions league or or playing in front of 70,000 fans in in Europe. I mean, it's just like that. And it could change in a fortune.
2: Yeah, uh, I definitely, this is why these games are so important. Um, These competitions, you know, I I think it's mainly uh, to, to, to show and, 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 and see what kind of players um, are, are coming up, you know, are, are, what, what's the future of our of our leagues and um and and i think that these these guys obviously they know this um i i i mentioned this before they they know the opportunity that they have in their hands so it's so important for them to to be able to make a good a good um a, a good show uh, put a good show for for everyone not just for the country but for their own for their own um you know, uh future um to to show uh scout scouting teams um what they can do and you know that they are here and 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 they that they, they could prove that, that they could prove that they have a good um a good team to to have, and good players to go to Europe, to go to you know the big leagues and in and Mexico and, and, and here in, even MLS. So uh, yeah and and obviously we talked about this so many times um guys like like Miguel Amiron have opened these doors for them and and i think now that we're seeing a, such a strong uh, Miguel Amiron in Europe which is totally different than than in in MLS um you know opens a lot more doors for 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 players to to go to to, to go to these teams like you said you know you have uh, teams from from Spain um and uh italy and 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 turkey looking at at these young players because they know what what we can bring for for the teams um so yeah i think that that this is a great opportunity again for for these kids um i just hope that they you know know what they have in in hand and and that they can take advantage of this of this time around um uh, it's a it's a big responsibility as well to go to a, a World Cup, no matter what you know. If you're a women's team, or if you're a, a under twenty, or if you're the national you know uh, team. So uh, I, let's let's see what they what they have at hand, and hopefully it's a it's a good tournament. And I just hope that they they can know the 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 opponents that they have. Um, you know, like. Venezuela, you know those those kind of teams. They know what kind of what kind of style they play, and, and I just think that they don't take advantage of of the fact that these uh, teams like Venezuela, um, you know maybe Peru are are the small uh the smaller opponents, and 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 you know they're not putting their best games out there with with these kind of teams. Um, you know they are. They are putting their, guest game, their best games against the big ones like Brazil and and sometimes Colombia and and you know Argentina, but you know they still have to worry about the smaller ones. You know I feel like we always struggle with that and and if 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 we're going to struggle with that, let's let's start fixing it from the bottom, which is you know the under twenties. Just just yeah, a no. mention before, before you wrap it up,
1: Roberto they all- Gonzalez, his journey to make it to Italy, to make it to Lazio. He's going to be there only six months. They're going to try him out. Let's see if he stays there. Uh, it's not going to be easy for him. He's going on alone, but this kid is so young, and you can already see he's played in Panama, Peru, Mexico. He bounced around from Olimpia, Nacional, Libertad in his younger days. That's the kind of journey these these guys have to make to take, to, to take their football to, to Europe. It's been really hard for him, but we're happy for him. Diego Gonzalez, he's probably the best uh, Deal he we've gotten so far from this uh, under twenty going from the second division of uh, Mexico straight to Italy straight to the first team of Lazio.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's a huge responsibility. It's it's huge pressure on him, but obviously he's been able to prove it now in other leagues and other teams. Let's see if he's able to do it in uh, in Lazio wearing uh, the uh, the 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 sky blue colors in in Italy. So we'll definitely have to wait and see as we close out another great episode of Guaraní Vision. A lot of chat about everything that's been going on in the world of Paraguayan soccer. For myself, Roberto Rojas, Fede Perez, Maria Britos, and Ralph Hanna, thank you so much for listening in. See you soon.